new Skype for Mac has the absolute world's worst user interface of all programs. Hmm. That I'm like, it, it started ringing, and I'm like, okay, where do I click to answer it? And the only button that was there was like a little telephone handset, but it was mm -hmm. the hang up button. Oh, I see. Um, I, they've been getting a lot of criticism, the Skype people, for having come up with a new Mac version, which is worse than awful. I don't think Mac is their lead platform. No, but I mean, they just redesigned this, and they like put a lot of effort into a whole new version that is um, uh, unbearably strange. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends how politically correct you want to be, but Skype is honestly it's a tool yeah. for people that are cheap, and people that are cheap <laughs> don't really buy Macs, to no, be honest. I thought with it was you. also for Euros, and all the Euros have Macs. It is. It is for making long-distance calls without getting, you know, right. absolutely reamed. reamed Can we say it. reamed on a podcast? I know. Well, that's why I'm now hesitant, because <laughs> Joel's like, we're doing a podcast. I'm like, wait, I don't even remember how that works. <laughs> how does that work? Well... Uh, let's see. Let's let me let me let me see if I can remember some of the some of the podcast uh, principles. Number one, and I'm writing this down. Number one, uh, uh, laugh in a timely fashion at Joel's joke. <laughs> That's what I remember. Exactly. Exactly. I used to have to edit out the small pause before you realized you were supposed to laugh, in order to make it sound like you were laughing about at, it. Is it at actually my joke. Funny? I don't know. Instead of at Should me. Like <laughs> no, that wasn't actually. Joel was right. It was it was it was a lag issue because yeah. We've talked about this before, but like it, it, you have to really concentrate to listen, you know. And plus, like you don't want dead air. And actually, we're going to be editing now, right? So Alex is helping. Yes. Alex is, is a new hire yes. at Stack Exchange, and he's doing a great job so far. And uh, hopefully, he'll be editing out the the long pauses between me laughing heartily right. at Joel's jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> laugh track. We might have a laugh track too. Now, okay, so that was number one principle. Number two principle is that uh, it's just a normal weekly call that we have every week anyway. Uh, we Are we still doing it. that though? Because I said yeah. I thought one of the reservations you had, which I agreed with, was there needed to be more structure to the podcast. Be, yeah, a little bit more, not a lot more. I'm not talking like, but just you know, getting guests on because that's oh yeah, that's really true. Like we will guests. have a lot of guests. Yeah, we may have to do a really really long podcast and edit out the parts that are just us talking <laughs> okay i think this is this part is actually relevant to the podcast because people are probably wondering why there was a year-long hiatus well there was a bit there was a bit of a hiatus um yeah uh, uh, and you know parts of it i agree with parts of it i didn't but on the whole i, I just I say saw you were coming from. We, we were busy yeah well no nah, well, i kind of wanted to talk about a lot of stuff we were doing in a in a more public way so well, that's you know what let's do some ca there's gonna be some catching up oh i know what we could do we could have a, a, a part of every podcast that's like blast from the past in which we take something that happened during the hiatus and present it as if it was news today right right just more structure i think was one of the things you were looking at new area 51 right <laughs> Uh, I think I think we'll now that we have uh, we have um, producer Alex here, um, we'll be able to uh, get guests, and we can just sort of give him a list of people, and he can start to line them up, and we it, it won't be. So I do work. want to talk about something on the podcast that I thought was interesting because once, for the longest time, pretty much all of Joel's call with me that was pretty much all the interaction I had with Joel every week was the the call that people basically heard on the podcast. There might be a yeah. little part at the end where we did some sort of private businessy stuff that wasn't you know it's like who yeah. cares and. You know, stuff has to happen. But for the most part, when Joel and I talked, it was all sort of on the record in a very, very public way. It was. And once we went, and once all we went, fourteen off, of our listeners. Yeah, and once we went off the record, like it got a little weird. Like I think it was just such a big shift that it it kind of changed the tone of the way Joel and I talked, and not necessarily in a good way. 
um, I kind of wanted to go back on the record at some point. It's like I felt like I don't know. It's and, and Joel, Joel and I had a conversation on this that, that you had mentioned, Joel, that you thought would yeah. make good for the podcast about sort of the correlation with WikiLeaks. It's like, what if you had a government? We're the government of Stack Over or Stack Exchange, right? We are. We're that's, the benevolent dictators for life. So how is it? It's almost better to have a government that's that's I don't want to say radically transparent because there's like military stuff and stuff that you have to have secrets. I get that, and like sex is secret. We're not going to talk about that. Right. But just in general, as much as you can to do as much in public as possible because we're up i mean that's the premise of our sites right like right. you go on the site you do stuff in a public way you don't put it in an email silo you don't put it on this mailing list that only two people are going to read and you know google's gonna have trouble indexing you do it out there in the world where everybody can see it right and uh i felt like that was kind of almost like a lesson of wikileaks like all the the, the unrest that happened as a result of that and like governments were overturned that probably should have been anyway <laughs> <laughs> well no you know, but, it turned out that this radical transparency was was kind was, of was the right a, thing a little bit painful I'm trying to remember was, yeah. I, I mean i think the thing about wikileaks is it was sort of underwhelming nobody was all that surprised because the stuff leaks out anyway right but for, people but thought. to be on the record is huge yeah right for so everybody knows that like x government is corrupt or whatever right Hopefully so i will go on the record as saying that the craziest meta of all the stack exchanges <laughs> the, the meta with the people who are the most certifiably insane and most need hospitalization in an institute of mental health is oh I can't say it now it's it's too they're going to hate me <laughs> they already think you hate them yeah uh, let's just how how can we say this yeah. every meta has its own tone every, every meta has its own exactly there you but go. I, right. I, I will say that some communities have really surprised me with sort of how out, out, far outside the norm they are. I don't. <laughs> I do want to say that I was actually defending this to Joel today. I I think for them that is the norm. Like there's just certain norms yeah. in certain communities that are not what we're used to, like even a little. Okay. And it can be kind of jarring. Yes. And I, I think that's part of what community is. Like you don't necessarily have to. Everybody has to get along. Like we're all the you know the 50 United States. You can't have states seceding from the union. That doesn't really work for us. Um, so you have sort of similar values at a high level, but you also have states like let's go to okay, wow, this is getting really political. Arizona, right, yeah. is doing crazy things. Like, and I think they're a little crazy, but hey, they're Arizona. They get that's the part of being a state is like having the wherewithal to come up with these crazy things that they're going to do. Yeah, Arizona's trying to trying to amend rules to prevent the election of Obama as president because he's Kenyan or something. Anyway. Well, in the, well, exactly. Yeah. We don't need to get super political. But my point is, I actually think that's that's within the boundaries of what states are designed to do. They're designed to accommodate, you know, the the, the whims and the preferences of the people that live in that state. And if they get a little wacky at times, hey, you know, that's what democracy is. That's my point. Is like I would rather have a healthy meta where people are really sort of engaged and you know getting really excited about stuff and sometimes maybe going in the wrong direction, <laughs> uh, versus one where they don't care. You know, where they're like, ah, eh, you know, who cares? We're Arizona. And, that is you know. very idealistic of you. I actually have some interesting statistics today, which you, okay. Jeff, you probably don't know. I probably don't. No, but I'm going to test you on them anyway. All right. Okay. So I've been studying, um, you know, we have uh, the Stack Exchange sites. Uh, let me let me create some definitions here. Definition number one, uh, we, um, we got the Trilogy and the Stack Exchange. So let's just go based on domain name, basically. Stack exchanges everything except um, Stack Overflow, Server Fault, and Super User. Okay. Um, okay, and then what I did is I divided up all of the people who post on our sites, either typing a question or an answer. I divided them into three categories. The first category is people whose very first account was an account on Stack Overflow. They might have accounts on other sites, but their first account was on Stack Overflow, and I call those people programmers. Okay. I'm using very elegant terminology here 
Then there's people whose first account was on server fault or super user, and I call them geeks. There's not very many of them compared to programmers, so don't worry about the geeks too much. And then I have a category called civilians, and those are people whose first account was on a non-trilogy stack exchange site. Like, they right. just came as cooking. That seems like reasonable definitions to yeah. me. Yeah, so programmers versus civilians. So uh, what I wanted to figure out is, um, you know, how many programmers do we have versus civilians on stack exchange, on the stack exchange sites. So first of all, what would be your guess as to the civilian population of the stack exchanges, just percentage-wise? Oh. Gosh, um, I'm going to say, wow, this is, you're really putting me on the spot here. Yeah. Across the entire Stack Exchange Network? Across the entire Stack not, Exchange Network, not the trilogy. Not the trilogy. <sighs> I'm going to say like 40%. Wow. You cheated. No, 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 I didn't. That's actually you me guessing. Totally cheated. No, I didn't cheat. I swear. I'm not cheating. I haven't right. actually looked at this. I don't know. 36. 36%. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's reasonable. I mean, I think the thing you got to realize is like I'm in there looking at those sites pretty a lot. Yeah. Like, I, have a pretty good sense of what's going on in our network. Yeah, but still, this is... Like what I like to call my job. Okay, now, all right, well, uh, well. so, uh, and in fact, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we can put up some charts somewhere or something, but basically the programmers, uh, programmers and geeks are about 60%, uh, are about, yeah, programmers are about 6%, the geeks are about 4%, that's, you know, the serve faults. Forget about them, but it's, it's basically 60-40, that's approximately the ratio, and it hasn't changed much. This is surprising, because I thought there would be a growing civilian population, but the ratio of civilians to programmers, ooh, something just binged on my on my desktop. I didn't hear it. Oh, how weird. Actually, this is, oh, wait, jingle, podcast bingo. We can bring that back because yeah. at, at some point in the show, <laughs> Joel makes a sound. He's like, what the? <laughs> what was that sound? This is like we never stopped. This is great. Okay. Uh, we started with, when we started the Stack Exchange, we had about 80% programmers, um, which is obvious. Like we, we started with mostly people that had come from Stack Overflow. Although right. even in the very early days of Stack Exchange, 20% of the first accounts that were created in the first month, let's say, uh, were people that had never created an account on Stack Overflow. They were completely new to our network as far as we knew, um, which is okay. sort of surprising. So I thought well, it would have awesome. taken them a while to figure that out. Um, it it grew the number of civilians grew from about twenty percent to what it is today, which is thirty six percent. But then it kind of got stuck. It got stuck in November at thirty six percent and has not changed. The ratio of civilians to programmers on the Stack Exchange network has been stuck at uh, you know thirty six percent civilian. Uh, now, obviously, the everything is growing, so the number of civilians is going way up, and the number of programmers is going way up. They're just going up at the same rate. And I think that may just be, you know, the huge growth of Stack Overflow accounts. Um, and oh. also, you know, people may come in, uh, you know, discover one of the civilian sites and then decide to make an account, but just make it on Stack Overflow first for some reason. Well, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, part of our mission, you know, outside of programmers say, hey, we like programmers so much. We think programmers are really smart people, which I, I mean, I believe the, this, right? Like, we're programmers. We're smart. We're... We have, a, it, I think, a great way of looking at problems, a way of solving problems, a way of building things that, that I respect deeply, mm -hmm. uh, if it's done right. And extending that to other topics was, was the goal. Certainly was to play the you know, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game where you have programmers that are sysadmins that like homebrewing or right. bicycling or whatever. So, so that's okay. But you also hit on a very good point, which is that we got to eventually get beyond that. I mean, you have to eventually get past... Right. The one, so two degrees. The out. reason I've been doing this experiment is I'm wondering when will we have enough civilians who are just not connected to programming, 
who will uh, help us create the sites that just don't overlap with programmers for various reasons. So, for example, I think that law and medicine don't overlap with programmers because those are both gigantic, difficult professions and very few people that are both lawyers and programmers or both doctors and programmers. And um, so it's very it's going to be very hard for us to get law or medicine off the ground with our program audience. So I've been thinking, gosh, we got to wait for the civilian audience to grow to the size of our programmer audience, and then maybe they'll be able to create law and medicine stack exchanges. But it's exciting, too, because, you know, our big, hairy, audacious goal, we had our little, our corporate retreat thing was like a year ago. We were trying to figure a lot of this out. Can you believe it's only been one year? <laughs> a little over a year since we had no Area 51. We had yeah. no plan. We had no right. uh, vision. Uh, but that was the big, hairy, audacious goal was to um, eventually get this to be an average Internet user would encounter one of our sites. And that's really exciting because I think then you're you're really changing things in a positive way on the Internet. And actually just today and over the last couple of days, someone I respect deeply, uh, Jason Kotke, is sort of, we're now sort of on his radar more. Like he was talking about Stack Overflow.com. But but he's also sort of, he just alluded today to Stack Overflow, which is, you know, again, the process of creating a site like Stack Overflow on a different topic, which I think he was getting it. And, you know, I, I pinged him to point him towards Stack Exchange, but, you know, I think he's exactly the type of really smart person that sort of gets our mission to I- increase the signal-to-noise ratio on the Internet, not just for programmers, but ideally for a lot of groups where, where it works. I mean, we're not sure. And one thing that I think Joel has been very cool about and agreeing with me, and, and I'm glad we have total agreement on this, is that we say up front, look, we're not sure our engine will work for all topics. Like, we're going to try a mm-hmm. bunch of things, and that's yeah. what... For example, we just launched the Area 51 site. It's in private beta. Uh, uh, what is it? How, How things, things work. work. We, we have to be careful how we say that because there's like 50 different trademarks that are all like within two characters of that. Yeah. Um, we're not really sure this is going to work, but the community voted for it, and that was the process, and it went through the Area 51 process. So, you know, we're going to give it a shot um, and, and see what happens, but we'll also not be shy about saying, look, this isn't working. This isn't making the Internet better, right? Look, we're not actually creating things of value that we're, we're proud to be associated with and the community is proud to be associated with. Um, so we pull those down. And exa- for example, let me just list where that's happened just to enumerate our failings. Uh, uh, atheism did not work, very definitively did not work. Yeah, um, not That went questions. on for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, AI didn't work. Nope, not uh, enough the, practitioners were actually on that site. Uh, and, and, and electronic gadgets didn't work because largely because that was kind of our fault for proposing that the, the scope was there's really not too enough big. the scope is too big uh, for the number of people that were there and so the chances that anybody seeing a question would actually know the answer to that question were very slim because of the the wide the the, the failures yeah. are interesting because they I think they teach us a little bit about like where we shouldn't be going yeah. you know like or or ways to to to, to maybe adapt and, and avoid those pitfalls um, but I do want to say that one particular thing that surprised me about atheism although I had a lot of reservations about that site. Not at, not the topic. Like I have no problem with atheism as, as a topic, but just as a site, I, I was like, this is this doesn't really make sense to me. This doesn't this isn't a good match for engine, which was proven out in the end. But we got like some amazingly good users from that site. That although even the topic isn't there for them anymore, they were brought in oh, to the network. They were like, oh wow, now. yeah. They yeah, were so like, oh wow, the, the engine is awesome, and they totally get the mission of like, wow, you want to increase signal to noise ratio? I love that. Let me let me help you do that, and they're totally involved. Um, right. And if we hadn't launched an atheism site, I'm not sure we would have gotten those users. So even the, the failures, I think, are building a path um, to, to, to building... Okay, so know. now I got a non... Now here's the, here's the next part of my quiz, quiz question for you. Um, we have a handful of sites. And I, I broke down this whole civilian versus programmer ratio thing 
um, per site. Like I broke it down, you know, Android, Apple, Bicycles, Cooking, CS Theory. I went through every single one and did a little chart of how many programmers versus how many civilians. Remember, programmers, people that used to have, that came in originally from Stack Overflow, civilians never had an account on Stack Overflow. They came into a Stack Exchange site first. Might not be that Stack Exchange site. So, for example, if somebody's first site was English and they went to cooking, um, they would still be called a civilian on cooking. Um, so, which do you think are our most programmery sites? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Least. Which are our least? least yes. Which are our most civilian sites? Just, just throw throw some names of some um, Stack Exchanges out there that you I think are highly say, civilian. I might say math. Okay. Uh, just. That's one I would maybe look at. I'm Let me go to stackexchange.com. Uh, you know, honestly, I have to go to our directory, stackexchange.com. Try to remember sites. the names of these damn sites. Well, no, I'm just I just want to scroll through and, and refresh my memory. Um, tech is going to have a lot of overlap. Apple. This is much harder than your first question. It is, and much and um, and I, I I'm probably not. Giving... I'm almost not willing to answer because I'm not sure <laughs> I'll even get close. <laughs> well, um, all right. Uh, gosh, there, one... I almost want to say that the ones that are just so general purpose, like money um, on startups, um, this is tough. This is really tough because I think like parenting, for example, is going to have a huge overlap with programmers. Well, I haven't done uh, – there's not enough uh, data for parenting, so I didn't include that in the analysis But because uh, it's a new site. All right. Well, let me – I'll just tell you That's the, the answer. That's the best I got. Those are the only two I'm even comfortable saying. I'm going to even... tell you the answer. It's going to blow your mind. Okay. Uh, Ready to be – I'm preparing to Now, what I'm loan. listing, these sites are all dominated, dominated by non-Stack Overflow users. And they are computer science theory, geographic information systems, math, you got that one right. On startups, kind of makes sense. Data is a little weird because it's imported. Physics, statistics, tech, Ubuntu, and increasingly WordPress. Wasn't always that way, but... But now WordPress is the tech one. Really, that's probably the most surprising one of the ones you listed. I, what well, it's surprising to me because these are all geeky fields. I thought yeah. it was going to be cooking in English. Stats and GIS, I almost said, but I wasn't really willing. I wasn't sure. Those were like ones that I thought it might be true. Mm -hmm. uh, CS theory, I guess I should have in retrospect because really you didn't think I thought CS theory. I mean, if you'd asked me, well, I, I can. I, that's only. Uh, that's not fair. I mean, how, I probably wouldn't have called that one up front, but. I don't know. I mean, that community is well. How many? Okay, Joel. How many? How many times on the previous podcast we brought up this big disconnect between engineering and and computer science? Yeah, right? but still, you think it's um, this is like proof that that it's true. I, I it really is. It really is. Yeah. Well, um, some of these things, like in the case of um, um, math, it was sort of an outside community that we kind of inherited in a sense, like not in in bulk, but it was kind of you know these people were talking about math on the internet before we existed, and they just happened to have landed in our little nest of the world. Um, it, s similarly, I can see how Ubuntu is, uh, because of the Ask Ubuntu relationship, it brought in a lot of people that weren't familiar with the network. Um, similar on Stardust, because of Darmesh, he brought in people that weren't part of the network. Some of these things really surprised me, though. Like I'm sort of surprised that, for example, the English site is uh, kind of dominated by uh, the programmers. Uh, it it uh, As is the cooking site, Although it's starting to get some civilian uptake in cooking, uh, Apple photography, um, th th those sites all have just a ton of people that came from Stack Overflow. Bicycles, the the, the most civilian feeling sites are paradoxically um, the most full of people that originally came from Stack Overflow. 
Yeah, like photography, for example, I can almost tell you would be a lot of programmers. Yeah, photography is a lot of programmers. Exactly. It hasn't. It's yep. it's it's very odd that that way. Yeah. Uh, now this is this is a great stat to bring up, particularly on the podcast. Um, yeah, you know, we're trying to cover the breadth of like what happened in the last year since we talked. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that that was my uh, my exciting part of the contribution to the uh, podcast. Now, I will dance. What else? What else do we do? We used to do this on this on this podcast. Um, I should add that uh, Alex, uh, um, who on the podcast, I guess we could refer to him as producer Alex, although he's also today he's telling people that he's chief of staff. But for the podcast, he's producer Alex. Uh, he's got all kinds of interesting plans for making the podcast better. We're going to have um, we're thinking of having a live stream of it so that we can have a chat room going at the same time so that people can answer questions. You know, the, you know, we can have a, a limited audience that's actually listening as we do it. Mm-hmm. That might be kind of weird because if you're listening to the live stream, you're you're going to get stuff. You're going to hear stuff that's going to get deleted from the from the permanent transcript. Well, one thing I'm very gung ho about that I know worked well in the past. I'm open to many changes because I know your criticism is basically boils down to we need to improve it, which I can't disagree with that. Everything can be improved, and plus we did it in such an off the cuff way that it's yeah. amazing it worked as well as it did, considering yeah. <laughs> how off the cuff it was. So yes, of course, uh, but I, I think having guests is big. So I would actually yeah, ask guests. everyone listening to this: we should revive the the call for guests part of the. That is correct. Uh, we need guests. Yeah, part of the suggestion. This is we're sort of like the old married couple that invites a guest over every Friday night so they don't stab each other at the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not so much that. It's that and your other criticism was, you know, after a year of talking, we kind of started to repeat ourselves we, a little bit. We were bit. definitely repeating ourselves. That was, it was and, getting uh, to be. Who, and, and then again, what's the mission of, of, of Stack Exchange and Stack Overflow? It's not to put highly redundant content on the internet, right? That's not. So right. why would the podcast have a different mission? The right. podcast should be continually full of somewhat uniquely uh, interesting or at least better formulated versions of uh, what's already out there. And speaking of better formulated, did you want to talk about, I know you had an issue with like too localized. Like how do you define like, Oh yeah. One of the things that's happened is we figured out, let me, let me give the background and then you can talk about it. We figured out sort of a set of, of, of closed reasons of like things that don't work well for questions on our software. And it doesn't mean they're bad questions. It doesn't mean you should not ask these questions and you're a terrible person for even thinking of this question, but they, they just don't work well on our sites. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and then there's a couple really uh, stalwarts, like not a real question, which is the question is too broad. It's like we can't even tell what the question is. <laughs> um, uh, that's what you start with. And then there's just off topic, which is you have boundaries around this is what the site is about. It can't be about everything. Or then you have Yahoo Answers, so that's off topic. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like bedrock. These are really good reasons. But one of them is too localized. And when yeah. we say too localized, we don't mean like, you know. In, location. In, in location. We mean location in time. Uh, as in, this is only relevant like for two minutes yesterday, and not ever again. Yeah. Uh, uh, too localized uh, uh, in perhaps a topic like you wrote your own programming language, and <laughs> nobody you're else curious can about use the it. syntax of your own programming. <laughs> language. Uh, uh, that wouldn't be a great question because it's again, it's it's too localized. Um, What's an so example? Ways you can attack that. What's an example of? Uh... Um, you know, the skeptics guys challenged me to come up with an example of too localized in time because you could take, for example, you know, I don't know, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, right? The bullet hit his head. It that only it was only one second. It was only one second long and then it was over. The assassination was done and over. 
But yeah, well, let me give you an example. I can give you an example from like gaming. It's like, what is the release date of oh, GameX? Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. When yeah. is GameX coming out? It's like, okay, well, that's a fixed point in time, and you know, who? There's just nothing really useful there. You know, and it'd only be relevant or like, might for example, I mean, you might want to close deleted, it afterwards. You might want to leave it open while you, it's still true. One that I've deleted on Stack Overflow, and I think completely justifiably, is you know, when will the service pack for Visual Studio be released? And then it's released and it's just out. It's like, well, just go get it. You know, it's like, yeah, then you can close that. There's no well, point in just... discussing like when will X come out because yes, it's going to come out. It'll come out a certain date, and then from that point on, it's just out, and you just go get it. Yeah. Um, well, you can close really the question then. Information contained there. All right. So I, I, I um, there is a, um, there will be at the end of this podcast after the music. Do we have music, producer Alex? Uh, we can add. He says we can add music later. At the end of the, maybe not on this particular, but the end of this podcast, you will hear me ranting about Too Localized from a previous call. Jeff, you were there with the community people that we did last week, so we recorded that, and we'll throw that on as a postscript if you want to hear more about Too Localized. But basically, uh, you know, what I, what, what I was seeing, which was starting to irk me, is that people saw this closed reason as Too Localized, and then the question was like, uh, where's a good place for a programmer to work in Montreal? And they would say, that's Too Localized. Montreal is just one city. And yeah, it is one city, but then again, that's just like saying that, you know, a question about Lisp is too localized because there aren't that many programmers who use Lisp. It's like, that's, it's like, that's not too, it is localized. It's not too localized. There are more programmers in Montreal than there are Lisp programmers. Trust me, this is true. It is absolutely true. I promise you. Well, I think it's it's still a judgment call. I mean, you're just trying to give people guidance. The the risk that we have a lot of times is when we... We bless things. Like, we've blessed this as a valid reason to close stuff. It doesn't mean you have to stop using your brain to think about how do the rules apply. Well, that's the trouble, is that um, people do stop using their brain. Or, or else, I mean, this is the, the only source that they have for learning about this is from the vote to close dialog box. And they see uh, uh, too localized. And, and to me, you know, the example that, uh, that, I, that I've been given is too localized is why is there a green Honda Civic in front of my house? It's too localized because it's just your house. And it's just that one Honda. It's not even going to be there tomorrow. So, you know, and who cares? Is it still there? Is it even still there? Go check if it's still there. It's probably not even still there. And and your house, like, who the hell cares? That's just like two. It is a question. It is on topic. It's not subjective. It's objective. It is a real question. Uh, but it, it, it stands no chance of getting answered in a way which either, either it cannot get answered because nobody knows because it's just in front of your house or if it does get answered, it's not really going to benefit anybody except for you because nobody cares because it's too tiny a zone, domain, or, or whatever. And, well, uh, I think the, the right frame of mind is, you know, how many people are going to benefit from this question being asked? And I think it, it's really t- in your interest and really everyone's interest for you to try to ask questions that can apply to as many people as possible. Not to an absurd degree where you can never ask about anything yeah. uh, too small, but like... Think about the people answering. Like, what's their incentive to answer? I mean, right. if it's only helping you, then that's not really making the world any better. But if you can just generalize it a little bit, that's sort of our guidance. Like, don't ask the most specific possible version of question. Try to generalize a little bit so more people will, will think, hey, I had that problem once. Or, oh, I know somebody that had a problem. Or, ooh, I, wow, it would really suck if I had that problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can't put myself in your shoes if you're saying, you know, I just walked out the street and there's a pothole and that sucks on my street. Yeah, but if it's like, hey, why can't we have better paving in the city so we don't have potholes everywhere? It's like, wow, that I, all of a sudden, hey, now I'm interested in answering your question. Becomes useful. So I think it's a philosophical question, but I, it has value. I, I think what set Joel off, and 
um, Joel, I think to explain this, I think somebody was just messing with you on meta. Joel had asked something about Stack Overflow Dev Days, which is coming, right? Yes, 2011 Dev Days, had, yes. Somebody had flagged it for close as too localized. And, and I thought it was funny because I, you got to realize this is, this is meta Stack Overflow. <laughs> like nothing that really happens there is, is 100% serious, uh, except when it's deadly serious. <laughs> So I was uh, trolled. So anyway, I, I don't think they were serious about that particular case. But I totally... No, no, but I had seen this in a lot of other places. And, 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 and yes. it came up on Skeptics where they decided that they shouldn't talk about the earthquake that was then happening in Japan because that was too localized and that was just ridiculous. And they were well, specifically saying it's not a problem of the location. In that case, it was too short a period of time because it's just the one earthquake and we don't have all the information. And the question itself was about... You know what is the current status or something of the our knowledge about the earthquake and it might change and so it wasn't um it wasn't a a hopelessly misguided close reason um i think it was just uh in that particular case wrong and and i think there is something jeff which i keep complaining about and i put it on meta and, and uh, probably everybody's ignoring me but um the wording that we have on the close dialogue says not generally generally applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet uh, well, let me give. I have a better example. I, I know what you're going to say, and I think I have a good example of. Well, I'm just going to say what you're saying. Nothing on any, none of the questions on any of the Stack Exchange sites are generally applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet. I don't think there are say, any topics. Math is, math is as universal. Is as generally gets, applicable right? to the worldwide audience of the yeah, but some people just don't need the answer to that particular math equation. They just don't care, and so it's like generally applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet. That's a really high bar. I don't think. I think possibly the internet will be closed effective tomorrow. Get your porn well, somewhere else. You know, world that peace is a high bar applicable. too. I mean, world peace is a high bar too, but it's not like we're going to stop working towards it. Yeah, but you can't tell people takes a long time close, to get there. Fine, right? but you can't tell people close every question that's not generally applicable to everyone everywhere in the world on the internet. Well, you have to realize that it's not really a problem. Like we're not seeing too much problems uh, with people fine. massively going out of their way to close things as too localized. But let me give you a good counterexample that supports what you're trying to say. And this came up on uh, on startups uh, answers dot uh, stack answers dot on which is one of the few imported Stack Exchange sites in the 2.0 network. And somebody was asking about localized. Like, what about business re regulations? When I have to tag the question, I'm asking you about business regulations in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know. And and the UK in and said, wait a minute, Jeff. And I think absolutely correctly that. When you're talking about business, sometimes you have to be, you know, scoping yeah. to a country. And I don't think a country is is necessarily too localized. When I said too localized, the spirit of it was like, hey, I want to have a meetup in Dublin with other programmers. You know, who's with me? Yeah. You know, that's not really a good question for Stack Overflow, right? Um, well, that one's off but topic. But I think you had a great point about on, on the startup site. Uh, I think sometimes you need to be localized to be correct, right? right. For the question to be useful yeah. it has to be scoped a little bit you can't say what are the business laws for me starting a business period right it's just it's really important to say like let's say it's tax you know what are the tax regulations or what are the employment regulations or whatever for those ones i mean that's literally just tagging that uk us canada is just like tagging a question c sharp or java you have to know it to get the right answer and yes it necessarily says if you're a java programmer that this particular c sharp question does not apply to you because it's about a different programming language, just like this UK question doesn't apply to you because you're in Canada. You know, so what? That doesn't mean it's too localized. It is. It is location bound, but it's not too localized. Again, to me, it's like, hey, I'm on the high street in Dublin right now, and and uh, if any of you are here right now, I'd love to meet up. 
Right. Well, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I think what's exciting to me about this stuff is like, I like educating people about like, why, why are, how do you ask a good question? It's something that like is a lifelong oh, effort. It. Like, how do you provide a good yeah. answer? How do you ask a good question? To the extent that we can educate people, like, look, these aren't hard and fast rules. It's not like, you know, and programmers love this binary view of the world. It's like, well, it's either too localized or not too localized. I'm like, well, no, it's a continuum. You know, you got to like judge it based on the merits of the question. And the examples that Joel and I just worked through will help people understand, you know, here's five or six examples of where you would use this and how it can be used. Um, I, I think that's really important to, to having a healthy system of, of knowledge is understanding like why we have these closed reasons and judging for yourself whether they make sense or not for you. Now, question. if you want to get into a whole debate, let's, let's say this for next week. Is the whole debate over why does my code not work right now? Please help me with this code. And the trouble those, with those is we don't like them. Good. They don't help the internet. It's only going to be useful once. People come on, they ask them, and everybody knows the answer because it's like you forgot a semicolon. And so they get three or four good answers, and the answers get voted on, and they solve their problem. And Stack Overflow helped that one person, and those people that answered it had fun. But the the, the one problem here is compared to everything else that happens on Stack Overflow, you haven't left an artifact that makes the internet better. I have a good example of where this can be useful. If you have a specific error message that's specific to, to doing something wrong, like an error code, or yeah. then other people will encounter that error code at some point. They'll search for it, and they'll be like, oh, cool, here's how I fix this error code. There has I mean, to be I had some a blog surfing. entry on Coding Horror that was exactly that. It was, like, it was so painful. It was like, I'm going to write this up because this sucks so much. And I've talked about this before, actually. Um, but it's the same basic principle. It's like shared pain. It's like diffusion of pain, actually. Mm. <laughs> That's great, but the scenario that Joel's describing is someone made just a goofball error of like, this is what I call the I forgot to turn it on error. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my computer doesn't work, and then you troubleshoot and you troubleshoot, and it's like, oh, I f the power was unplugged. Right. It's like, well, that is not great. I mean, you might learn troubleshooting. <laughs> the, only, the only thing you might learn, yeah. Joel, is like, okay, your computer's not booting up. Well, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. So if someone said, my computer's not booting up, they would go through the troubleshooting that other people had put, even though the, the answer was was ridiculous. It was like, okay, well, plug it in. Uh, they might find something that's helpful if there's good troubleshooting. Um, so it's not entirely without merit, but I, I definitely don't like that those class of questions. I really do tend to delete them when I see them because I feel, unless the answers are just like incredible troubleshooting guidelines. Guidelines, yeah. But most of the time when what you're describing, it's like a guy going or a gal going, um, line five, put a semicolon at the end, period. Right. <laughs> And then they're like, oh, accepted answer, you know? But if it's this awesome, I will never delete awesome answers. Like, let me just tell you, people might get scared by me saying I delete stuff from Stack Overflow. Uh, it's like gardening, right? I'm getting rid of weeds. I'm getting rid of, you know, plants that need to be, you know, are end of their life anyway. Uh, we're trying to make room for the garden to grow. I don't know. I'm just looking, I'm just sort of browsing around on Stack Overflow, and I'm not, I'm seeing an awful lot of questions that are not generally applicable. Well, it, again, it depends how you judge it i can't see what you're looking at uh yeah you're right that's why we need the video version of this podcast which producer alex will work on um yeah a lot of t a lot of times there are enough keywords in their particular question like they're asking about a particular library they're trying to do a particular thing that it becomes generally applicable almost because they've just mentioned enough keywords and also too remember it's a long tail situation where it's well, that's not necessarily the thing. a broken window. It's not right. showing you the wrong thing. It may not showing you be showing you the right thing, but it's not actively harmful necessarily. Um, so I'm not – I don't know. It'll just never really get seen by anybody. You know, right. It'll be put on. Somebody will get the answer to their question, which is not terrible. But you know, maybe nobody else gets helped by it. That's not entirely our mission. It's not the world's worst thing to happen. Right. 
Um, and I think it's it's a it's a process of ongoing education. Well, we have to we have to remember that Stack Overflow is two things. It's a factory that generates questions and answers, and you can get some benefit just by being in the factory where it's warm. And it it also leaves artifacts. It produces something, which are these kind of remains for the internet of like, hey, if you're searching for that particular thing, we've already got an answer for you. And most of the value of Stack Overflow, by far, just based on the number of views, comes from the artifact, right? It comes from leaving something behind, not the person getting their answer, their question answered, or the people having fun answering it, or any of that stuff. That what 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 goes on in the factory is just a small fraction of the value we generate for the internet, as as evidenced by the fact that 90% of our traffic is is Google, people coming in and finding answers, hopefully, and and uh, and leaving. You know, the answers That's that right. are already there that were already generated by the factory. So basically, the heat that the factory has thrown off is like, yeah, you can go into the factory and get warm right now, but it's really the stuff that the factory is producing and sending all over the world that provides most of the value. So these questions on there, it's like, hey, how do I get a semicolon? It's like, ah, you just took a free ride on the heat in the factory. You're not really helping the internet get better. And and I think, too, you have to realize that some of the people maybe at the factory are become essentially get promoted into management like they become they start owning the factory mm-hmm. and they become like let me give you an example like i recently went on a i forget which stack exchange site it was i think it was webmasters pro webmasters and one of my questions had gotten to a thousand views i was mm-hmm. like wow so i got a little you know perk for that i got a badge for it saying hey you asked something that enough that a lot of people found so we are directly essentially i mean directly and indirectly in so many different ways incentivizing creation of things that are actually useful to other people mm-hmm. through somebody else voted on it somebody else viewed it right uh at, at a very minimum and then beyond that there's just all like you said the warmth of the factory of like wow i'm i'm part of this thriving community where what these people value is a programming they all love the same things that i love and b like creating useful crap mm-hmm. right not like you know discussion and noise and stuff that's just okay it's fun we can argue about the merits of java versus net forever but like who are we really helping at the end of the day you know and that is why and how things work will be awesome that's the factory to me is is that and then also speaking of warmth of the factory i, I like that terminology uh we had our worldwide stack overflow meetups mm-hmm. uh oh yeah yeah ago. world world stack overflow meetup day too localized yeah. closing next topic <laughs> Uh, that's right, closed. Uh, but that was actually a lot of fun. I uh, I had the choice of going to the, uh, the 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 San Francisco one or the Mountain View one, and uh, I kind of helped set up the Mountain View one because it had some some issues. And I got to say, it, it was tremendous fun. Like I'm actually, you know, looking forward to doing that. And and I think that's that's again warmth of the factory. The fact that you have an actual community of people that are, you know, right. interested in finding out of, of each about each other, not just the questions, but you know, the context of who these Wait, people are and what they're what? doing. And, uh, I thought we weren't all about the community. We were all about the questions and the answers. I think, well, we are. But my point is that that stuff happens. You have um, flipped. Your position is flipped on uh, this matter. Not, no, I, I don't. You're I like we're not Facebook. Sense. We don't want to make friends. We're not social networking. We're all about just the facts. Right, but it, the third place, like the the way we have chat, which we haven't actually talked about on the podcast. I mean, chat is not integrated into our site and actually never will be because I think that would be a really bad piece of advice. Um, and you'll know that chat on Facebook is, in fact, integrated. Is it? That, to me, would be a key design decision. We will not integrate chat into they have the chat board. on Facebook? Oh, yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it? Is that new? There's like IMing. You... you can, like, IM people. It's, but no, it's, really it's chat. full-blown chat. No, there's full-blown chat. Like, there's Facebook. rooms you can go into and chat with there's people? There's a pop-up div, and you just start chatting with somebody else on Facebook. Well, that's like one person. I that's like an IM. But that's... 
Not the same. Okay. I, well, I don't know if it's a chat room. Okay. Fine. That's more like a call. Like a... It's the not, point it's... is you can talk to another person yeah. one-on-one. All right. I mean, which you can. our chat supports that. You can create a room. You can go into a room that just has one other person in it. What's the effectively that the difference between that and an IM? None. Uh, right. But but the but the point of chat um, Stack Overflow style and um, just IRC style in general is like there's a there's a room where there's people hanging out. You go in there, you shout out to everybody. They, you know, you n- you never know who's going to be there. You can have interesting conversations all at once. It's not like a private conversation with a specific person. It's more like a social activity of hey, let's go see who's at the bar, and I'll just chat with who's ever there. Well, let me let me draw some other parallels with chat. So the physical meetups are a totally different vector, right? First of all, physical. It's not, you know, we're seeing people, we're talking, we're touching yeah. each other. It's kind of scary. Extensively. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. And uh, whereas in chat, you know, it's very real time. It's very different than the, the, the Q&A, although our Q&A does happen fast enough. You could consider it real time. That's not really uh, the point of the web. The web spends all its time breaking down time you know mm-hmm. you could hit a page that's five years old that's has like, universal yeah, truth that it. is exactly the point actually and in fact and there's a bunch of like a five-year-old chat room is going to be fairly useless for the most part no but also think about all the features that our chat has that traditional chat doesn't that make it work better over time like like irc uh didn't n- nothing was keeping a, a log of what happened in the room until you went in there and therefore when you entered a room you had no idea what had just been said in the room and with our chat when you go in you can sort of see what happened, and what that means is that you can have a chat room with w- in which no two people are really there at the same time. They're just kind of leaving messages for each other, and it still kind of works. It's slower. It's much higher latency. I I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's also like the podcast. It's it's, it's another vector. It's a different way. We're going to have achieving related goals. Yeah, but you don't smush them all together. That's sort of where, from a design perspective, I say, okay, now you're starting to screw up. Like. You're getting chocolate and your peanut butter. You know, Should we like talk about have... uh, Dev Days? Because that's the next big, that's the big, that's the meta meetup. Sure, sure. So we segued from the, the, the meetups, which are on meetups.com slash Stack Overflow, and we're going to hopefully schedule more of those. Yeah, I think um, what happens is now it's up to the individual people in the cities just to keep meeting every month if they, if they get their acts together. I think we'll have to push a little bit more uh, for it really to happen. Maybe we can try. I mean, I think what, what almost always happens is that the, the top cities, it, it happens, and then it sort of, Fades out, and that's actually that's actually a little bit intentional. Uh, we talked about this with regard to Meetup, like the Meetup.com software. Their whole method uh, is not designed to make it super easy to have a Meetup. Let's put it that way. It really kind of sets a. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying that it's hard to use. I'm saying that the design is you guys got to want to meet in person, because if we make it too easy to use the website then you'll just sign up for a whole bunch of meetups and you'll never go to any of them and there's no point in doing that. We need to make it like a little bit, of, there has to be enough friction on the website that we know that a, that a reasonable percentage of these people actually really do want to meet the other people. Like the care. Right, well this is the same philosophy of Area 51. It's, it's right, exactly. Government process, it's meant to be a little painful. Yeah, it has to be painful enough just to make sure that, because uh, otherwise it's it, you just get nothing. Make it too easy. Right. I, I certainly encourage us to at least ping, push them like every six months or so. I, I enjoyed it tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a good segue into Dev Days. So what, tell us what's going on with Stack Overflow Dev Days. Uh, oh, yeah. What is Stack Overflow Dev Days? Oh, yes. We, the first Stack Overflow Dev Days, I think we might have to name it the Stack Overflow Conference because it's not days anymore. It looks like it's going to be two days. Um, all right. So the first one was in 10 cities. We did this in 2009. It was in 10 cities, one day each. And I organized for each city five or six speakers to talk about um, 
whatever uh, to talk about uh, give give tutorials. The idea was they would be tutorials on programming topics that a lot of programmers really wanted to learn, but they didn't have time to learn as a part of their regular day-to-day -day job just because, you know, they were stuck in the Java coal mines or whatever. So it was fun stuff like iPhone development and maybe Python, Ruby, jQuery, a lot of stuff that people wanted to learn and didn't necessarily have an opportunity to learn in their day job. And um, so that's the, it's the same thing same theme this year we're going to want to teach you some stuff that you may want to learn and maybe it's probably going to be different things this year it's going to be stuff like uh, i don't know redis and node and stuff like that that everybody wants to learn this year um but you know they don't get to use in their day jobs and then uh um we're not going to do 10 cities because that was just um heart, heart attack inducing it was just it was just too much work and it was like utterly uh, um crazy uh, we're going to do four, and they're going to be in one. One's going to be in London. One's going to be U.S. East Coast, probably in or around Washington D.C. area. Uh, one's going to be U.S. West Coast, which I believe will be either Seattle or San Francisco, depending on the menus that we find. And the fourth one is Australia, uh, Sydney or Melbourne, again depending on the menu. They're going to be oh, September, cool. September and October, uh, and they're going to be two-day conferences, so uh, two days in each place. Um, the other big difference is instead of me organizing 60 speakers for all these things, um, I'm going to uh, sort of throw it out there for the meta, and the meta people are somehow going to find the people that they want to speak at their damn conferences and, and, and organize it. I don't know how. It's going to be very crowdsourced. Oh, cool. Um, Sounds like fun. That is the big picture. And so how many cities total? Four. Four. Okay. Four but cities. It's, it's two days worldwide. Each. It's worldwide in the sense that there's going to be one that's, you know, a reasonable distance from most of our audience. Um, last time, I mean, I could I could go through all the details, but for example, like last time, uh, Austin was fun. It was cool, but we just did not have enough people. It was just not possible to do in a break-even way. It's just too much work mm -hmm. to go to Austin for the number of people. And same with Los Angeles. So there were two cities that were just too small. And then... Um, uh, Cambridge, we did Cambridge because Redgate really wanted us to go to Cambridge, but honestly, those people would have just come to London, right? Come on, it's like a 45-minute train ride. So, um, um, so, so we, we, can re we can reduce some of those cities uh, without too much loss. And, and the thing that surprised us about the first Dev Days is a ton of people actually flew to get there. And what a lot of people told us this time is, look, as long as I'm flying anyway... Um, doesn't matter where I fly to as long as it's in the same approximate range and, and, uh, you might as well make it two days, um, you know, so I can get more out of it for the trip. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I, I think the, the old dev days were quite good. Um, yeah. At least the ones I went to, I felt were successful. I, I didn't have any major criticisms. I think logistics was the only one and that's like a universal constant with conferences it's like logistics is a pain logistics is a pain only this year we actually have three full-time conference organizers working at stack exchange incorporated it's hard to believe but nice. we will have incredibly awesome logistics that will go extremely smooth producer alex will change into conference producer alex um mm -hmm. for the for the for the purpose of that and he'll do all our av and set up and it's gonna be awesome hey we remember we had a there, there was a video there was a f rather humorous video that we made at the beginning of the previous Dev Days. Oh, um, yes. Which we managed that you to... you would not release. I would not I release. urged Joel to release. He's like, no, no, I can't, I can't. No, it's just too embarrassing. And you know what? I'm, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say I wanted to save the last copy of it because I wanted to show it to producer Alex only. It was um, it was only on my laptop at home, which was the laptop I actually used at the conference that I actually took around on Dev Days and broadcast it from. And... Uh, 
Um, the hard drive in that, it's an SSD. It's an Intel X25M, the SSD that everybody loves, just like all of a sudden failed yesterday. It like completely hey, died. I have, wait, no, I have a topic here. This is something I was actually thinking about blogging because it's like it's happening so often. Yeah. Okay, first of all, SSDs are awesome. Yeah. But they tend to fail, I mean, in the most catastrophic way imaginable. They, it's basically like right. the old, uh, what is it, Mission Impossible, where this message will self-destruct in yeah. five it's literally like that. Oy. It's like one day it's working, and then in ten seconds, bam, all your data is gone. And I mean all of it. Like there so is no recovery. I think no that's recovery. where I am now. That's it. Then nobody's ever going to get to see this awesome video I made with the interns. I have a low res copy of it actually, but it's low res. Mm. That's probably sufficient for producer Alex's needs. Mm. It's all right. I don't want him to see it. It's you gave me a really low res copy because you didn't trust me. You're like, okay, you have to have a copy. I'll give you this really crappy copy. <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to post it on YouTube. I didn't actually, but thank you. I'm glad I have a copy of it. There has to be a reason to go to the conference. There has to be something awesome that happens at the conference. Oh, boy, we got something awesome. Well, this is this well year. after the conference, though. This is a different, a totally different argument. But yeah. it's fine. It's your decision. If you don't want to show it to anyone, that's, I'm not going to. I'm just it. embarrassed by it. It's just hopelessly embarrassing. Yeah. So uh, SSD is still awesome, but, but they fail. better have a really good backup. Why do they fail? It's hardware. I am, Joel, I, I think you'll agree. I'm the world international expert on backups. Am I not? Yeah, yeah. In fact, when you... I tell you, you need <laughs> back to back up. up your SSD much more than your regular hard drive, then you should really listen to me. The truth is, I no longer put anything on laptops. I have no files on laptops. I have them on Dropbox. It's just like those commercials I see on yes. television. Are you in the cloud? I am. I have. I have. You can give me any laptop, Mac or PC, and I will put on it Microsoft Office, Dropbox, and Evernote, and Chrome. And then I'll sync Chrome with the bookmarks and the last pass and all that kind of crap. And that's it. That's like 100% of what I need to do, everything. No local files. But you know, you know uh, last pass is uh, if you get subpoenaed, the authorities are going to take your secret Dropbox data. Yeah, so what? So they'll find out that how much I paid. That, that was just funny because it was like all this backlash. It was like, okay, yeah. if you get subpoenaed <laughs> right. and the FBI are looking at your stuff, it's like you're pretty screwed. I don't think it really matters if... They can yeah. decrypt your secret Dropbox. They're probably just going to tell you to decrypt it, and then there'll be a court order, and then you'll say, no, I don't want to, and then you're going to go to jail. Got fun with that. Exactly. And you know what? You know how much I, I really hate to quote XKCD because I, I have a love-hate relationship with XKCD now because I've just seen so many of them, and it's like everywhere I go, I can't get away from XKCD. It's not that it's good. But like, have you? the one I'm referring to is perfect for this. It's like the hacker's view of like encryption is like, you know, some the FBI will get your laptop. It's like, oh, we're gonna need a supercomputing cluster to crack this. Mm -hmm. We don't think we'll be able to do it. And then the next panel is take this five dollar wrench and beat the crap out of this guy until he gives you the password. <laughs> exactly. And and actually, you know what? Ninety nine point nine percent of the people in the world do not have anything that anybody wants on their la damn stinking laptop or in their Dropbox. Especially like these nineteen year old computer science students, and it's like, what, what what do you have on there exactly that the FBI is gonna want? Porn. Well, plus if if you actually do, <laughs> I, I read porn. a good book. I, I read a good oh, book. Poker that would be really bad. He would cope poker on a laptop. Uh, I, I read this book recently. I need to blog about it, but it was talking about um, uh, sort of like modern crime on the internet, mm -hmm. and it revolves mostly around credit card numbers. And um, yeah. I think one of the guys. Oh yeah, he got caught in like Turkey, <laughs> Oops. and that was not good. That's a not not a good place to get caught for anything. Apparently, yeah. And he had he had a whole run. bunch of encryption on his laptop that there's no way they could actually break it. But uh, it was the five dollar wrench approach, I think. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like no problem. Kind of made it happen. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. 
So then, the you know, good, my approach really going good... back to the top of the call. My approach is like, well, why even have secrets? Like, what's the point of secrets? Because you're breaking the law. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to equate somebody having a secret with breaking the law. I just want to equate secrets. That's with the only reason you idea. need to have secrets. Oh, okay. I don't think it's really a good idea to have a lifestyle where you have a lot of secrets. Where you depend on it's secrets. It's just not really a sustainable life strategy. So therefore, um. I don't know. I mean, unless people are trying to steal stuff that's not... I don't know. I, mean, I could come up with a few other I can't speak for yeah. everyone, but it's not always. as a business strategy for us, being a public company that runs public websites, it's really hard for me to come to terms with super mega secrecy about a bunch of stuff. Um, I don't know. I feel like we get a lot of reasonably good feedback when we're open about stuff, even when we don't understand what we're doing and yeah. you know we're trying to... And that's another reason I missed the podcast because I think... And people brought this up multiple times was that we would make decisions and people had no visibility into the decisions because they couldn't sort of hear our inner, inner monologue about like, wow, we're really struggling with, with how we do this X, stuff. X, Y, or Z. It, I mean, they, to some extent, the outside. yeah, you do have to be a real groupie to listen to the podcast, follow the blog, read meta. Like, well, not necessarily. The information gets disseminated. So what happens a is little somebody, bit, yeah. will, like, somebody will blog about it. Yeah. Information gets disseminated. It's not like you have to listen to the podcast and follow our every you know nuance. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, one of the yeah. things I just saw, which we might be able to use for this podcast, is um, the the um, SoundCloud. Uh, Eric from SoundCloud was over here visiting us today, um, and uh, they have this sort of technology where you get, boy, I I, I have to describe it because we don't have video yet, but your your whole podcast is shown in a timeline left to right, and as you scrub your mouse over the timeline, you see comments that people have left at different points in the timeline. And you also see them as it's playing. So you could be sitting there listening to the podcast and looking on the web, and you're actually seeing comments that people have, like text comments that people have attached to the podcast at various times. Right. Does that make sense? No, that's good for if you want to scrub through a particular conversation. Like, oh, Joel talked about... Well, it's also really interesting because you get you get sort of the um, uh, the inside baseball, like the, the color commentary from the the crowds you get the the peanut gallery just sort of I think that's actually a bad feature. The only part of that that I like <laughs> is when you would annotate the parts of the the conversation that were like okay, then we talked about this, then we talked about this, then we talked about this. Well, that'll happen. That'll I mean that'll be the organized show notes anyway. But this is almost like what the heck is Joel talking about here and then somebody else can chime, chime in and say, "Oh, he's talking about such and such a thing" and have a link to it. Um on the other hand, you're right. It's the peanut gallery. You may get YouTube style comments that are just garbage. I, I'm, I'm skeptical about that particular thing. But certainly, I like having longer show notes for people who just don't want to listen to the show. Yeah, that, that's actually pretty important. because that. that that I think was a big win in the past because I, I refer to those show notes still. Like I'll well, remember, we, used oh, we, the, uh, we used to have the transcripts. Yeah, the transcripts are a big ask, though. I was always, I mean, I really, everybody who did that, thank you a million times, thank you. But yeah. man, that's a big ask. That's a lot of work to sit there and type all the crap. That's a lot of work. So now I think we might do something a little different there. Um, yeah. We might uh, we might try to do something more focused where uh, if there's a particular thing that, uh, you know, our, our listeners judge to be kind of worthy of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, of going on the permanent record, so to speak, then they could transcribe it just that bit. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we've uh, we're we're getting close to about an hour here, so um, um, I think we should sign off the podcast for this week. And just let everybody know there's you know exciting more changes to come. This is yeah. not just the first step is getting back on the horse. That's right. We are on the horse, but but pretty much every week or two um, from now on. Well, this podcast is already different because I have a live audience. 
was, <laughs> that was that was the punion. Uh, yeah. Nice. And uh, we've got to figure out a better place to do it other than at my desk right here out in the middle of Stack, o- Stack Exchange uh, um, World Headquarters because um, the people will come and start playing um, table tennis over there and there'll be the pickpock of the ping pong and the steaming sounds from the coffee machine and so forth. Um, so um, uh, we, we have a long list of uh, improvements to the podcast. We want to get live streaming. We want to get video optional, totally optional, so that we can occasionally show you screenshots of interesting things and i'm going to have an actor playing my part and moving his mouth along with me and um and also guests don't forget chat room and a lot of guests yeah we want to have guests we want to have recurring guests tell us who you want um we've got you know we have the old podcast there were what three people working at the entire stack overflow all told and uh, now we have 25 so there's you know worst comes to worst we can always rope in one of these guys we can also i think rope in people from individual communities too uh, I mean, right, we can get the community. That takes peoples. a little bit more planning, to be clear. I'm not making any promises here, but right. we have really interesting, like Joel was pointing out in his stats. I mean, these are not programmers. They're coming from a different perspective. So it might be interesting to hear from some of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, if you like today's podcast, take a $20 bill, put it in an envelope, and write Joel Spolsky, Stack <laughs> Exchange Incorporated, One Exchange Plaza, New York, New York, 1006, and see you next week. I want to get your guys' feelings on the idea of two localized. Let me tell you, my, I want to saying... announce my feeling about two localized. My feeling is that people have way, way, way too low a bar for what it means to be too localized. They, they think people thought Dev Day's 2011 questions are too localized because they're only about the 2011 conference. I mean, okay, so we can never talk about that? That's like ridiculous. To, to me, an example of a too localized, the minute somebody starts to get too hyper with too, too localized, and you guys can yell at me because I wasn't there when this whole too localized thing became a, th- a thing. Too localized is why is there a green Honda Civic parked in front of my house? That's too localized. That's my example of too localized, right? Because it just affects one person, and it's not going to be there tomorrow. Nobody can possibly know the answer because it's so specific. It, it, it's just like, you know, it's the Honda Civic in front of your house right now. Like, is it still there? <laughs> you know, that's, that's too localized. That can't be answered because it's too localized. But talking about Fukushima, like, uh, do, what do we have to wait for the history books to, to, to close on this thing? That's ridiculous. These are exactly the kind of questions we want to for for our Spark PR projects, and uh, it was a little bit of a concern that this hot topic is being closed because it's a developing news story, and it's only in this, this. The question is worded for a specific point in time, and and that's, that I just want to get again, it's to get your your sort of philosophical opinion that that we sort of somehow. I'll give you another example. Just that, that I don't have. I gotta tell you, this whole thing of like this hot current event stuff. I'm I'm not. We're not really a news site. Like I don't know. This isn't. This is a little bit force fitty to me. It's like we're we're wedging this this round peg in the square hole. No, a little wait bit. a minute. To say is Fukushima as bad as Chernobyl? That that's on topic for skeptics. And to then say we don't okay, want that's this fair. because Fukushima is still ongoing. Like we don't have all the data yet. Th- th- you could say that, but okay, you couldn't that's say fine. I, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I, I, I think that right now we don't have a clear enough 
gut, I, I don't know where this where this might be. I mean, maybe the meta discussion. But I think some people just sort of see the terms for they they they're like, hey, I don't like this question. They hit close, and and they learn about too localized from that one sentence. And and it says the question is only relevant to a small geographic area, a specific moment in time, extraordinarily narrow situation is not generally applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet. And I think worldwide audience of the internet, gosh, that's kind of a high bar for something to be applicable well, I, to the I think you should go audience. plead your case on that specific one that specific one I, I guess the thing i'm objecting to is this idea that we would like seek out current events and like that's, okay, that's a little a, bit uh, demand that's, that's, media a, that's a different that's me? a different i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. that's a different question okay um for uh, this one I, i'm into. agreeing with you for the one that got closed i, I see your point and I, I think they they had the wrong idea but i don't you got to realize the skeptics guys are guys it's probably all guys yeah um <laughs> It always is, right? Um, I think they're just very gung ho, and I think as long as you give them guidance, they will, they will understand. Like I don't think they'll fight with you. You just need to go in there and plead your case. They're they're pretty okay. easy to deal I, with. I'm happy to do that. I, uh, one thing that I just because I keep noticing this too localized, like, and it seems to be way too trigger happy. I, I I'm, I'm I'm tempted. Where to else suggest, have you seen this? Uh, I don't know. It just keeps coming up. I'll tell you my it the most egregiously keep going up. Too localized is not really a problem. Well, actually, time. what I should do is search on closed for too localized. Yes, I saw. Well, I saw you, I've seen votes for close to two localized on Dev Day's 2011 questions. Yeah, but that's just people being dumbasses. That doesn't even. Really well, well, the problem. <laughs> the problem is that they think because the user interface tells them this, they think that if something has any kind of time in it or any kind of place, that it should be closed. Yeah, and, but this and, is like people that misread the Bible. To, I know, to, but that's what they do. This that's is what not they do, my and fault. it's driving me crazy. I'm not blaming anyone. It's obviously Payan's fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no need to it's, blame it's anyone. A, it's understanding a little bit about the philosophy, like like not right. looking to the list of close reasons to 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 that they always apply to why I, questions should be closed. That's not the Bible. I, it's it's right. It's it's if you have to close a question that you feel is closed, we give you a set of reasons, but not the other way around. I want to. We I should. I think that's an important segue. I was going to segue into the whole idea. Well, let me talk about that in a minute. Let me. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, go in there and plead your case, Joel. I do agree I with will. you. In I'm going to plead my case there. And I'm going to actually. I'm going to actually argue. Also, I'll go on Meta and I'm going to say, listen, I think we need to slightly change the wording in the closed dialogue box because saying not applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet is just too high a bar. None of our questions are applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet. And there I, was a I, large group of skeptics who thought they were correct in closing a question that said, um, are you, is it difficult to be like an atheist in the United States or something like that? Is, is there, and, and so it said the United States, that's too localized. Yeah, these, we, we, we need to, we, we, yeah, this is an important thing to teach people about because I'm seeing too much. Of it. It's just, it's just programmers. That's just their attitude. They're just like, oh, wait, wait, you just mentioned a location. I remember some rule about locations. I will now <laughs> go do something about that. And and we really just need to tell people somewhere, listen, too localized means why is there a green Honda Civic par parked in front of my house? That's an example of too localized. And it, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, if there are more specific things, but I think the whole idea of too localized is like, you know, this is a vanishing thing. I mean, we have, for Christ's sake, one third of the questions on Stack Overflow are one bug affecting one person in one place once. And they get answers. Are, and nobody says those are actually open. bad. I mean, eh. you're supposed to bring up like, okay, let me give you an example. See, I don't know. This is a complex topic. Like, I think yeah. on like you, you had a valid point. This came up on answers from on startups mm -hmm. of of like, okay, when I ask about UK business law, right. that has to be localized to UK, and it's still a pretty large audience, right? It's the freaking yeah. UK. So just tag it UK. Um, that's perfect. Right, right, and, and that's a valid point. And I was like, okay, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. And then there's the other case on Stack Overflow where some jackass forgot a semicolon. 
So he posts the code, and he doesn't know. And Everybody it's like, look, you forgot a semicolon. semicolon. Yeah. This is not going to help anybody. Nobody's going to search for, I typed in exactly what you typed in, and I forgot a semicolon. That's true. So there actually is a valid case of, like, and accidentally, they didn't mean to do it. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're you know, bad people for doing this, but there is a reason that exists to emphasize to people, look, you're supposed to ask questions that other people can benefit from in some way that's not just about you. So that's right. really the, the lesson of too localized. And, you know, there's extreme examples of, you know, why is there a yeah. green car parked outside my house? And there's also much more subtle examples where people, have, you know, they think they're doing the right thing and they kind of are, but it's still not really helping <laughs> the, the Internet site. at large. Well, yeah. the trouble so, with I mean, the I guess I'm open to rewarding it, but yeah. there is a legitimate reason that exists and it does, in general, it works. So I don't know. I, I guess keep looking at it. It's on my list. I'm going to keep talking about this until everybody uh... – it is it is a philosophy of you know you close questions that you feel should be closed and we give you reasons but but it doesn't it doesn't always necessarily work the other way around 